0: Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry, finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back
1: to the show. And this week we are kicking off a month long series on the blockchain. And um, we're going to get into a whole description of what it's about and why that is the hot new buzzword and why so many businesses, so many strategists and technologists are uh, foaming at the mouth about the blockchain right now. And so to help sort of set the tone for this conversation and really um, help us understand what this is all about, is ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Seth Shapiro. Let's have a big tech cat. Now, Seth is the uh, CEO and founder of Alpha Networks, which is a blockchain-powered platform for the creation and optimization of new and existing video networks. He's also a two-time Emmy winner, um, and he's a leading advisor in business, innovation, media, and technology. He has his hands in a lot of different things, including teaching at USC in cinema arts. Um, He's written a well-known book um, on television called Television Innovation Disruption and the world's most powerful medium, and now he's digging deep into the world of blockchain. So Seth is going to fill us in. So Seth, welcome to the show.
2: Well, hello, Laurie. It's good to be back.
1: <laughs> now, you were on the show a couple of years ago when you were um, more focused on the future of television, um, and you were a governor at the Television Academy, and you were in the midst of writing your book, and you were really sort of Uh, helping us understand the future of where the entertainment industry was going. And now here we are about two years later and um, so many things have been disrupted, including the very nature of how we move content around and how, you know, what we know as the Internet, what we know as distribution um, is working. Um, So, so much of that is what the blockchain is all about. So maybe you can sort of set the stage for us about what this is all about.
2: Yeah, 100%. Can you hear me okay, by the way?
1: Yeah, you sound great.
2: Okay, good. So we talked about this a little bit last time, but, you know, if you look at media, um, it kind of divides into these discrete eras, which I I kind of think of as broadcast being uh, the first era. And then we had the cable era, and now we're in this thing, which I would call the broadband era. And at the end of all these cycles, you can kind of see things coming off the rails a little bit. So at the beginning of these kind of eras, everything's working great and everybody's making money and people are happy and it's firing all cylinders and it feels like it's going to go on forever. And then there's just enough things that don't work that you really need a new uh, era of innovation. So if you think about it from a broadcast perspective, right, we had three networks and then four networks. And um, the issue there was, you know, it was great. For a while, well, people got acclimated to the idea of TV and loved TV, but eventually they start to feel like there was just no choice, right? Um, There just weren't enough choices. And so that's when cable really came in and greatly expanded the number of options that people had. And you didn't necessarily need a huge audience. You could do really well with a smaller audience. And um, as an example of that, when the team that built ESPN first started, Thinking about doing it, everybody thought they were crazy. Like the idea of a 24-7 sports network, everybody in the television business thought was the stupidest idea they'd ever heard. Um, but that was a real sea change where something like um, like uh, ESPN or MTV didn't need the huge audience that a CBS or an NBC did back in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. They just needed like a specific audience that you know, could reach a certain kind of demographic and a certain type of advertiser. And because you had so many channels um, in the cable bundle, each of which was getting a license fee, it turned out to be a really huge business. Um, Then that sort of got disrupted by the Internet, where all of a sudden cable and traditional TV had a huge uh, competitor um, in online delivery. And so what you and I have been living through for, like, let's just say the last 15 years is the movement of content from uh, you know, uh cable or satellite delivery to um to IP delivery to internet delivery, which is obviously where everything's going. And we're solidly in that era now. Um but there are problems, right? Piracy is rampant. Um you've still got these huge bundles of channels that people pay for, um, a lot of which they never watch. You've got these weird situations where You pay for a certain channel on traditional TV, but you still can't really get it online or you can't get it on your device. You've got all these multiple complicated logins. Advertisers aren't super happy because traditional kind of, uh, major what are called MVPDs, the kind of Comcast, direct TV, uh, spectrum guys, um, their numbers are going down. So the model's breaking, um, in a lot of ways now. And I think that, uh, what I'm really bullish on is that, that this blockchain era will be the next thing that follows uh, this broadband era in media.
1: And, and give us, um, just because this is really the first time we're digging into it, and of course everyone has heard a lot about Bitcoin. Bitcoin uh, certainly has made the news and everybody's trying to figure it all out and that lives off the blockchain, but I don't think a lot of people really understand what the blockchain is. So maybe you can give us sort of your you know uh, simplified explanation of it.
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. So the easiest way to begin to understand the implications of the blockchain usually are to think about its kind of killer app to date, which is Bitcoin, um, relative to banking. So let's just think about how money works as opposed to the way that the Internet has changed other businesses. So um, right now... um, if you deposit a check uh, and write a check in the same day, there's a very good chance that, uh, depending on how much funding you have, they're going to send you a bounce, right? You're going to get a $35 transaction. Uh, you're going to get dinged, a uh, $35 Bounce fee, even though you deposited money the same day, and a lot of people have had that experience. Right, you write a check, for, you deposit, you've got a hundred dollars in your bank account, and you deposit a check for thousand dollars, and at the same time, you write a check for five hundred, and for some reason, the bank debits your five hundred bucks before they deposit your one thousand, and so you kind of gnash your, your teeth but there's really not a lot you can do about it. Um, The reason for that is that the banking system is really based on um, a ledger, uh, you know, a ledger being like for anybody who uses QuickBooks or Quicken or any kind of money tracking uh, program, a ledger is basically, you know, a list of transactions. And in a banking situation, a traditional banking situation, that ledger is owned by the bank. So you can complain and you can Um, sort of say, hey, how come you did this? But there's not a lot of recourse. Um, One of the fascinating things about the blockchain is that what it does is it creates, if you can imagine uh, a ledger, so uh, like a a series of transactions that instead of living in Lori Schwartz's Quicken account, which connects to Bank of America, it actually lives out in the cloud and there is a complete sort of ledger in the sky, which is available to everybody that records every transaction made uh, in that ledger. Now, it's anonymized, so it doesn't say Lori Schwartz. It's a series of digits. But essentially, it moves economic transactions from being controlled by a bank to sort of being in a in – a, what's kind of called a, a, a like a, 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 a triple ledger system where the actual Internet um, – is out there, almost sort of the way that peer-to-peer works, um, where you've got multiple people looking at the same files or voting on the same stuff. Essentially, uh, the real revolution of Bitcoin was it, it created a system where You didn't need a bank where money became peer-to-peer, and the actual series of transactions that happened lived in in a completely um, distributed ledger that was available to everybody. So that if Lori sends Seth uh, five Bitcoin, that transaction is permanently written into the Bitcoin ledger, which is available to anyone in the world. Um, again, it won't say Lori and it won't say Seth. You'll know that it's you, and I'll know that it's me. But 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 various parties to the ledger then authenticate that transaction. And I know that sounds complicated, and it sounds complicated because it really is a big idea. It's if you think about the way that things worked before the internet relative to the way that things worked after. So, like Lori, when you and I were kids, if we wanted to get a Beatles record, right? We went to Corvettes or whatever, and we bought (laughs) the record at the store. Like, if I had said to you when you and I were kids, "Hey, one day you're just going to be able to go onto a computer and download any song anywhere in the world you are for free," you'd kind of it would take you a while to get your head around that idea, right? Um, That's kind of the level of of leap that, that, that the blockchain represents. Instead of you going to a single source for information or having a, a, a transaction that just lives between two people. There's sort of a third party in the middle of all these transactions, and the third party is the consensus of a distributed list uh, of transactions that is, is pretty hard to hack and pretty hard to um, manipulate. Um, and so, what happened was um, around the time of the original um, financial meltdown in 2008, when it became clear that, you know, the banks, uh, you know, were kind of at it again, which they are, you know, every 20 years or every 80 years or so, there's a major financial meltdown. And every 40 years or so, there's a a significant one that's sort of on the off cycle of that, but you know, banks do what they can. Banks are in the business of making money, um, and so there was actually a, 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 an unknown figure named Satoshi Nakamoto, who is was a, a person or persons who we don't we don't actually know who it was, or there were there were a lot of theories. And what he p- hypothesized was a way of creating um, a digital form of currency that. Could not be manipulated. That uh, in order to um, to get this currency to sort of win it or to acquire it, uh, you had uh, you had to have computers solve an increasingly complex uh, set of, of of problems, of puzzles, essentially in cryptography. So. You know, computers do a certain amount of work and it yields a Bitcoin. Um, and and so what he hypothesized is this idea that you could actually have a form of money that nobody could manipulate, that nobody could gain, that you couldn't print more of, that a central bank couldn't get fancy with. Um, and, and over time, given the banking crisis, the idea got more and more credence. Um, and so there are these two sort of um, ideas that are in parallel. One is the underlying blockchain technology, which is this distributed ledger technology that basically kind of creates a, a whole new world of, of sort of crowdsourced opportunities in all sorts of businesses that we can talk about. Um, and the killer app that, that sort of launched this all was this idea uh, of Bitcoin, which is a, a, a specific form of digital currency similar to gold, um, that obviously we read a lot about. And so, I mean, we could take this conversation whichever way you want, but those are the two right. big ideas. There's there's blockchain, which is the underlying technology, and then Bitcoin, which is the most famous application of it.
1: That's fantastic, and that's a great summary in right before we need to take a break. So when we come back, I want to move away from Bitcoin um, and talk really about how blockchain is basically going to disrupt um how we do business in a lot of different categories and specifically on the content and entertainment side since that's where you live i want to talk about the the businesses and the new companies that you're building that are helping to leverage blockchain so we're going to be back in a moment digging into the the future of our world with seth shapiro who is the ceo and founder of alpha networks we'll be back in a moment on the tech Cat show
0: From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
2: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
0: This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to laurie at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the
1: Tech Cat Show with Seth Shapiro, who's a two-time Emmy Award winner and a leading advisor in business innovation, media, and tech. And right now he's very focused in the world of blockchain. And um, Seth just gave us a great summary of, of what the blockchain really is and also how the more sort of famous piece of the puzzle, um, Bitcoin, which has been uh, really talked about so much um, in the last six months in the news um, where people are making a lot of money and some people are not. Um, but Seth has a particular interest, I think, in this space. You have your hands in a lot of different um, businesses as an advisor. So maybe you can tell us about where, where some of this is going for you and the areas that you're playing in.
2: Right so the one that uh, that I'm involved in uh, that's, that's the best known and, and uh, is, is kind of it's going to be a big story in the coming months is something called videocoin um, Videocoin um, is essentially uh, sort of a competitor to um, to Amazon in, in a way that you'll understand, but just to explain kind of where the media business finds itself right now, um, as I was saying um, the media business has really had to adapt to the huge growth of, of of viewing of content online. And so if you think about this, if you're a TV network or um, a movie studio uh, or something, um, but, but let's talk about cable, about TV networks because that's a, It's actually really interesting. So you've got a TV network, and people are paying Comcast or uh, DirecTV or whoever to get access to your network, but you or your kids, uh, and definitely your kids, are like, hey, I I don't want to watch this on the big TV. I want to watch it on my tablet or my phone. Um, So increasingly, there's pressure on on the owners of all these TV networks to get their content uh, available online, right? So here's the issue for them. they don't really make uh, – th- there's not a lot of incremental revenue around that. Um, so essentially, most TV networks are being hosted by Amazon Web Services or AWS. AWS is by far the largest uh, source of revenue for Amazon. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, an open secret in, in, in the media business that, uh, I mean – even Netflix, which is kind of a, a, a shocking, but even Netflix runs on uh, Amazon Web Services. So they really have this huge uh, uh, infrastructural advantage in, in, in the fact that they've got so much scale in serving Internet video and files. So basically, most of the TV network groups that put their networks online um, use Amazon. So what that means is that Amazon is essentially setting a rate card for serving TV networks. And every stream that you serve of a particular network, whether it's MTV or FX or whoever it is, or or Netflix even, um, Amazon's getting paid for every stream. And so what we're doing at VideoCoin, where I'm head of strategy, is um, Halsey Miner, who kind of most famously uh, is the founder of CNET and was co-founder of Salesforce, Real visionary in the, the, the you know in, in the last internet era, um, got together with a great uh, CTO named David Dugat, uh, who had been the um, uh, head of Intel Video. Intel Video actually was sold off and became Facebook Video. So Intel divested the group, um, and, and and that became the basis of Facebook Videos. And the, uh, the hypothesis of our company, a video coin, is really because all of these video networks are paying so much to have their stuff hosted by Amazon, what if we could kind of decentralize that, which is a big theme in blockchain. In other words, instead of having one central authority, whether it's a bank or in this case, Amazon, um, what if you could incentivize all sorts of people that have server capacity, whether it's a server farm that has extra servers or somebody at home that just has a lot of computers and say, hey, uh, if you serve our video using our solution, we're going to pay you in token. So we're going to give you microtransactions for every video stream you serve on our behalf. And so that's actually the infrastructure that we've built. Um, and what's really fascinating is we expect that when the system is fully deployed, we'll be reducing the cost of serving video for major enterprises from 60 to 80%. Um, and the reason is because, again, kind of a central theme of blockchain, we're going to decentralize. Instead of going to one central source for doing your video serving, storage, and transcoding, which in this case would be Amazon Web Services, we're going to empower people all over the world and server farms and you know medium small businesses to serve video and then get compensated in our in our in our currency. Um, uh, which is just kind of a fascinating direction. I, th- I think that you're going to see more and more of that. You'll see uh, across a lot other more. other
1: business other business categories, right? Taking the monopoly exactly. away from from companies. So you're you're basically taking Amazon down in a way.
2: Well, we're going up against it, and I mean, obviously, they've got plenty of business. Although, I just I, I guess today they. They've taken a little bit of a hit because apparently Trump has uh, some issues with them. But, um, but I mean, <laughs> Amazon is a juggernaut. It's the number two. I, I think it's you the know, number two market cap company um, now. Um, and, and, and a huge piece of that is the fact that uh, when you unpack their financials, 80 percent of uh, Internet traffic uh, is really video. I mean, Internet, from a business perspective, in many ways, is a video delivery system, right? Like Netflix and peak hours in the United States. Is like fifty percent of internet traffic at certain times, so that's a huge market, and that's the right. one that we're taking on. But exactly your point, Lori, that's true across all sorts of verticals. You see it in banking, you see it in insurance, you see it in different different forms of asset service. You see it in in, in, in all kinds of different businesses.
1: So I'm looking at some stats here. So it's estimated that the world will reach 3 trillion internet video minutes per month by 2020. And then we're looking at HD and Ultra HD, which is going to suck up more bandwidth. And then when you start to think about 4K and what's going on with VR, you know, all that um, storage and moving that stuff around. So you're basically positioning VideoCoin to, to be in that game, um, and to handle this growing market.
2: Yep, that's exactly right. Because um, if you think about, to your point about 4K and HDR and VR, frankly, 360 video. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of the, the major studios, and, and as we started video coin, I talked to a bunch of them, and I said, you know, what are your issues relative to to, to, to video storage and, and serving? And it's not just and transcoding, and it's not just uh, the cost. Uh, for the stuff they have to do, like putting various networks online. It's all the really cool stuff that they can't try because it's just so expensive. So, for example, you know, ser- serving an HD stream of a TV show is one level of data expense. But if you get into VR and 360 or 4K, you've got a whole other uh, you've got a whole. The more bandwidth you have, the more expensive it is. So one of the things we're really excited about is the is the notion of doing trials, and we'll start announcing them. Um, but what's public is um, some of our advisors who've come on board are uh, Hanabase, who's the CTO of Fox, of 20th Century Fox, is part of our team. Um, John Ward, who's um, head of video operations for AT&T Direct TV, is with us. Ted Chilowicz, who's is futurist. At Paramount, and so what we're looking at is things that we can do to reduce the cost of trying really new, cool stuff. So um, we've got a, a related uh, entity to VideoCoin called Live Planet, which has developed like a whole um, uh, 360 camera uh, through solution. And 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 what happened was, as as this team, you know, related team started doing more work with VR, they found out that their Amazon Web Services bills were just huge. So the more VR you try to serve over the net, you wind up with these huge service bills. So what we're going to do is really actively try to bring the cost down so people can try all sorts of really new, cool stuff. And and that's what's really exciting about this as well.
1: And are you um, at all concerned that, um, you know, just like you can't keep track of the new coins uh you know being launched these days are you at all concerned that there are going to be competitors to video coin that other uh, folks are putting together uh you know blockchain like solutions for video distribution as well i mean what's to stop a studio from building their own
2: uh that's a great question i mean there there will be competitors i mean in this particular case uh video engineering talent really world-class video engineering talent uh it's pretty hard to come by actually, and so we've got the the team that built, as I said, you know basically the infrastructure that powers Facebook video and was Intel's team first. so that's a pretty uh, that's that's a pretty good moat. Um, there no doubt will be other people that try and do it, but we think between having a really great tech team and having really deep business relationships and I mean as you know, understanding the problems of these uh, of of the, the actual clients is a big part of this because I mean I've met with like one of the things that's interesting about blockchain is it's it's a very global business, right? And in many ways America is frankly, unfortunately, pretty far behind. So I meet regularly and kinda of my other role is being part of a, a fund in this space with companies in Asia and Argentina and South America and, 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 and you know, all over the world. And um a lot of them have great tech. But Hollywood is a pretty specific culture. So you've got a lot of people that are trying to solve problems for industries that they really don't understand, and so I think a lot of these kind of uh, new blockchain companies or ICOs, um, you know, they, they 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 may be addressing a problem that's real, but whether or not they have the expertise to actually solve it is a completely different question. Um, and when you and say and when ago. you say
1: uh, ICO, which stands for initial coin offering, is that how you would also refer to? Something on the blockchain that's getting funded, or is that only related to to Bitcoin solutions?
2: Okay, so going back to the sort of uh, the currency issue of this, Bitcoin is a is, is sort of the best known cryptocurrency. Right. Um, but but the notion of the blockchain is that you can have a, a potentially infinite number of different currencies. So a way to think about it is um we've got the US dollar we've got the pound we've got the um the euro we've got the yuan there's you know a series of global currencies which um are you know generally uh you know associated with particular regions or nationalities um what what the potential for for uh for, for cryptocurrencies is is to create Units of exchange that uh, are specific to um, specific use cases. So let me give you an example because that's kind of hard to get your head around. Um, when uh, when we were kids and you went to Disney World or Disneyland, right? Remember you had A tickets and B tickets and C tickets and E tickets and all that. Yeah. Um, so so you. A Disneyland ticket, you don't buy a, Disneyland, a ticket to Disneyland with the expectation of being able to sell it later for more money, right? That's right. just silly. You buy Disneyland tickets so you can go to Disneyland and use them. And so a lot of the, the better currencies are really about creating a specific use for a specific, uh, uh, you know, a specific solution for a specific problem. So, for example, you know, if you are helping people, you know, in the process of serving and storing and transcoding video, or you are helping people to, uh, complete invoices, or you are helping people to source talent, or to pay people in my, in a microtransactional way that would be completely impractical if you had to cut them a check every time, because it might be two and a half, the equivalent of two and a half cents, you know, each time, um, where writing a check is, is actually just more expensive, uh, than it's worth. So, so a lot of these currencies are just are about solving specific problems. And right, right, right. it's kind of a, a, a wild west situation where, to your point, you've got hundreds and hundreds of different, you know, entities. And so the term ICO refers to an initial coin offering, and it's not actually, uh, you know, the, the term is is, is not uh, beloved by everybody, but it kind of comes from the notion of an IPO, initial public offering where you offer stock. The notion became, well, what if we just sell, uh, we sell, Tokens um, in order to raise money for for a particular project, and so that's um, that's been a big industry. Um, various American regulatory agencies are weighing in on on, on on how they view that, and the American climate around that is is actually you know um definitely more sober than it is in a lot of other places in the world but um you've got all sorts of different pieces and in a way it's kind of equivalent to what we had during the internet bubble where you had you know all these companies and all these companies and all these companies and frankly a lot of them didn't last but in a way you know out of that kind of you know uh wild period we wound up with google and amazon um right and right. Uh, a lot of the companies that dominate today so we will wind up with a whole we will wind up with a new uh, crop of really transformational companies and then a lot of other stuff that's just sort of falls by the wayside
1: and that's a great um end note for this this section we're going to be back um in a moment with Sester Piero who is really um laying out uh, the, fu- the future of the infrastructure, I think, of a lot of, uh, a lot of the content, money, all the different uh, business categories that we all live in. Um, CEO and founder of Alpha Networks. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here
0: from strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
2: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
0: Now, Seth, you also
1: have your hands um, in a lot of different funds and companies as an advisor. So I, I know that you learn a lot from that. Um, and what we're often hearing about all these different companies, like you mentioned, is this is this global footprint. And we we keep hearing about China. Um, now, I also know that you recently returned from Puerto Rico, where um, there was a big uh, week-long multitude of conferences. Um, around um, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and blockchain. So I'm just wondering, you know, in in the globe, you know, is there a region that right now seems to be doing the most in this? Um, Is it really coming from all over the place? You know, where do you focus um, in this exploding marketplace?
2: Uh, That's a great question. And the answer is it changes a lot. And and part of the wild thing about this industry is that you spend a lot of time on the road because – you know, you you can't throw a rock without hitting a a, a blockchain conference. I mean, even <laughs> in LA, there's probably one every day. But I mean, you multiply that by the um, by the number of regions where this is a real big thing. So, for example, I'm part of a of a of a fund called the called Alphabet Fund, which is out of the UAE, um, and it's a fully regulated cryptocurrency hedge fund. And the benchmark of the fund is to return alpha above Bitcoin. So, in other words, we have to outperform. Bitcoin, or we don't make anything. And so our fund is constantly investing in new companies, but also trading different currencies and, 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 you know, doing the kind of things that traditional hedge funds do. And so, yeah, you know, we see a lot of different deals coming in, and you're looking at all the things that people are applying this to, and it's kind of, it's amazing because it's everything from trying to make the insurance industry more efficient to um, creating a tokenization for for, for patents and IP, um, and to create um, faster processes for remittance payments, uh, which is kind of an. That's a good one to talk about. So, um, one of the one of the really inefficient businesses in the world. Which I mean, we're lucky not to have to deal with this. But if you are an expat living in one territory where you've migrated to to try and make more money, so you can send money home, you you really do get gouged. So. Um, there's uh, remittance car- carters, you, you obviously know about sort of the American-Mexican one, but there are a number of them all over the world, and people sending money back home. Uh, it's very expensive to do it. Um, the, you know, the Western unions of the world take a, a really big piece. You have to wait online for a long time. So one of the great kind of promises kind of, um, that, that, that other parts of the world really get that we don't have to get here because we're not dealing with this is for people who are unbanked who don't have the ability to wire money, uh, you know, these kind of currencies are a godsend. Because um, if, if I'm going to send $500 back to my family uh, in India and I'm looking at giving up, you know, you know, 10 15% of that money and waiting online for two hours, if I could just, you know, buy a really, uh, you know, one of the cryptocurrencies that are optimized to be very fast, Um, I could send that money, you know, back home in 10 minutes with virtually no cost. Um, And so in Africa um, and India, um, there's a huge, I think, understanding that this stuff is not just sort of an interesting business, but it's really potentially uh, life-changing for for people who have tremendous trouble moving money and and are the ones who really pay, you know, exorbitant fees to, to move money around. So, so depending on where you are in the world, there's a different perspective. Actually, two of the really active uh, countries in this market are Korea uh, and Japan. Um, China, to your to your point, has been heavily involved. Um, There there are a number of currencies issuing out of China. Neo is a big one. Um, Bitcoin Cash um, has has a huge component in China, and so you know different parts of the world are competing to sort of become um, homes of this kind of new business. And it's a little bit sad because, you know, America, Silicon Valley, was the undisputed home of the Internet. Um, And in this new Internet of Money, um, the U.S. is not, you know, being super competitive. So you've got all sorts of other regions that are sort of jumping into the fray. Uh, Puerto Rico, to your point, is actually a really interesting place because there's actually a tax treaty. Uh, between uh, Puerto Rico and the United States so that um, companies that are in this area can get tremendous tax advantages by moving to Puerto Rico um, and building their businesses there. Um, And so that's kind of become a hotbed for... For Americans, but there are places like Malta that are a hotbed for Canadians. There's Switzerland, which uh, has a huge role, um, and and you know Eastern Europe is actually turning out to be a really interesting market. So um, and, and you know in a lot of the investments that we see, you know a lot of the money's coming in uh, to uh, Western companies from Asians. So it, 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 it's it's uh, it's kind of an unprecedented global mix of different parts of the world trying to figure out how they can uh, leverage this this new opportunity.
1: So is there, then, um, in this new world, is there such a thing as regions? You know, I mean, are we looking at this like we're in China, we're in Puerto Rico, we're in Silicon Valley? Because does it have a – does anything have a home if it's a sort of cloud-based ledger that has no base?
2: The answer is yes, and it's interesting. Um, it's, it's It's a good question. Um, every company, um, that, that, that sort of exists, right? Just because we're still living in the physical world, everything is domiciled somewhere. So you can be, um, if you're going to create one of these entities, you've got to house it somewhere. And so what's happening is in the same way that, uh, you know, famously Apple's money goes through Dublin, right? Um, there's all sorts of offshore entities that American companies use to not pay, uh, to, to pay less, uh, you know less tax back to uncle sam and that's not illegal that's just the way the system's set up and so what's happening right now is different parts of the world are saying hey this is a really exciting industry let's create incentives to get more of this stuff to happen here so that's happening in some cases um, in kind of smaller nations that are looking at at this as a potential kind of huge, uh, you know, net win for their economies, for the local economies, um, on the part of the larger companies. Uh, so China, for example, um, there's a, there's a few currencies that uh, China has, has not necessarily actively backed as a nation, but for example, there's something called Neo, um, one of the you know sort of the number two currency uh, globally is 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 called Ethereum. Ethereum is, 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 in many ways, the, the, the platform or um, the, 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 the currency that powers a lot of these new companies. Um, and, and that's probably a separate conversation, but China has effectively backed its own horses um unofficially in this race, so there are there there are major Chinese currencies, and there are you know different uh you know advantages to putting your, your your company here so it's it's this amazing time that one of those periods where you know the cards are up in the air and it's not clear how they're gonna settle when they when they all fall back down but um you know uh the u a e is looking at this as as a potential um Thing, as the as, as the sort of fossil fuels industry that's been so good to them declines maybe they want to be kind of a, an area that that, that, that houses blockchain based companies and um, you know again Switzerland is, is, is you know got a zoo uh, sort of called crypto Valley it's Liechtenstein which is near <laughs> Switzerland is thinking how do we get into this business so it's an extraordinary it's an extraordinary so are time.
1: you are you um, flying all over the place now literally like you're just everywhere
2: you kind of have to be it's it, it, it's a bit much, but um, you know, like you said, I was just in Puerto Rico. I'll probably be heading to Dubai. I'll be in San Francisco um, next week. Um, there's one in Korea that I was supposed to be at next week. You just can't. You kind of can't do them all, but uh, um, you know, this won't last forever. But for now, it's a tremendously exciting uh, time where you know it's kind of like you need to be in the room where it happened.
1: And and is it? Are these? basically conferences and that's why you're bopping around because that's where all the deals are being made
2: yeah there are conferences which are obviously you know the the the, the forums for these ideas I and mean, it's just kind of a common meeting ground for people so it's easier to meet a bunch of prospective deals at a conference than it is to fly to you know a ton of different places it's sort of like in the in the venture model traditionally uh, you know, partners would have a specific territory because you can't just be everywhere at once. Um, that's harder now because this is such a global industry. So you kind of just try to, you know, uh, maximize your, your your firepower and meet with as many people as you can in, in a couple days at a, at a conference.
1: And so my other question for you is just in terms of the types of people that you're dealing with now. Is it. CTOs? Is it chief technology officers? Is it um, investors? You know, who is the sort of profile of the individuals that are jumping into this
2: space? It's, it's, I mean, primarily, it's an entrepreneurial, it's an entrepreneurial climate, just by by its very, by, by definition, um, you've got this, uh, essentially, relatively new industry that's going to attract people who are interested in building new stuff. Um, um, but by and large, they're entrepreneurs who hopefully have subject matter expertise in a specific area, um, whether it's insurance or, you know, uh, or, or computer viruses or, or like, um, like
1: your video, or, you have, you have a or, or, video background. Right. So exactly.
2: yeah, exactly. Um, and so some of and some of these people have really figured out amazing ways to reinvent their incumbent business or improve on their incumbent business using you know either either a, a new form of currency or a new form of technology or reinventing their infrastructure um on the blockchain and and you know and a lot of them are kind of frankly similar to what you may have read about with uh what was it the 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 Long ice tea company that renamed itself the Blockchain IC company and their stock tripled. So, uh, you know, it's not, crazy. not a good example. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of people oh, just trying yeah. to jump on the. I, I think
1: if you um added um, CBD to the name of anything blockchain, you would really make a lot of money right now because it seems like everything is blockchain and everything has CBD in it. And 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 for you, for for you, you know, as as a uh, strategist, as an investor, you know, as someone who sits on a lot of different boards, you know, um, do you see yourself, you know, d- does this look like this is going to be where where you're? You know, career sort of stays is is in these different blockchain businesses. Um, is this the final sort of tier for for um, distribution?
2: Well, I think we I think this stuff is now where the internet was in maybe ninety five or six. So, if you if you think about that era, um, there were still a lot of naysayers. There were still a lot of people who didn't get it. And there were some people who were like, yeah, this Internet this internet thing is going to be really transformative. Um, but it was before, for example, Internet video was so powerful that, you know, you had the complete undeniable game changer. You know, Amazon hadn't really um, happened yet. Um, so I think we're at this point now where there's this kind of potential for all sorts of amazing stuff. And it's, But it's going to have peaks and valleys. And it's not going to be. You know, it's it's not going to be uh, you know like a, a downhill cruise. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm committed to it for the long term because I think this is the next great era of of the redefinition of this stuff. It's almost like this is this is the next era of the internet. What do you call it? The internet of money or the, or the decentralized era? This is the era where um, a lot of things are going to a lot of opportunities are going to open up, and a lot of businesses that sort of resisted the first that resisted disruption in the last internet era are going to get reinvented um, this time. And I think media uh, will be a big part of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything, I, I don't—I can't think of anything as interesting as this stuff.
1: Uh, and on that note, we're going to take one more break um, as Seth sort of sets the stage for uh, for the world that we're living in. So we're going to be back um, in a moment on the Tech Cat Show, really digging into, uh, the, the, you know, how to play in this game um, with blockchain. Back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show.
2: Voice America Business Network: The bottom line in business.
0: The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com.
1: And we've been getting the down low on the blockchain from Mr. Seth Shapiro, who's the CEO and founder of Alpha Networks, which is a blockchain-powered platform for the creation and optimization of new and existing video networks. And Seth also um, is head of strategy at VideoCoin, head of business development at Alphabet Digital Currency Fund, and, and of course, an advisor to a number of other companies um, who are um, starting to look at new models and, and leveraging the blockchain to create new businesses. So where can someone learn about this? Say, say they understand that they need to jump in and they want to uh, figure out how, how to get into the blockchain and, and maybe take their category expertise. So what, would, what would you suggest to them? I know that you, you, you talked a lot about how you attend a lot of conferences where the business is actually getting done. But what would you suggest to someone?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we're actually developing a new service for that, so I'll come back and we can say more about it. I do think that this industry suffers from not having kind of a clean, well-it-place for really good information. The the, the issue is people go to YouTube and, you know, it, it's luck of the draw. They, they may want something that's really informative and accurate, or they just may want something that's basically a scammy kind of a thing where somebody's pumping something. So, I mean, unfortunately, at this point, Um, we're in early days where you kind of need to um, look at a lot of different sources. And and, I mean, the the best thing is to actually find somebody that, you know, that understands something about this space and and have them kind of walk you through the process. Um, There's, there's like four kinds of things that you can do to really understand this stuff from a functional perspective. One is um, there's a, there's a very famous company called Coinbase, which is, I think, actually the number one app in the app store now. So you can go and open a Coinbase account. It's super easy. And I would say buy $10 of Bitcoin and buy $10 of Ethereum um, and just let it sit there and watch it. Um, if you get more adventurous, um, there's a number of exchanges um, where you can actually – so from Coinbase, there's only three or four different currencies Um but from these exchanges, there's hundreds and hundreds, and so, you know, the best way to learn about something is to kind of stick your toe in and do it. So if you're feeling adventurous, the, the most advent- the, the most famous American exchange is called Bittrex, B-I-T-T-R-E-X. The the most famous Asian one is called Binance, like finance with a B. I would say you could open an account with one of those, and then just kind of look around, um, and 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 you know one step at a time, you know, buy a little bit of this stuff, not a lot, just, just enough. Then read about it more. Um, you know, go to, go to places like CoinDesk, CoinTelegraph. Um, there's a number of newsletters. I mean, there's, there's, you know, an endless avalanche of stuff out there on the open internet about this stuff. But I would say, um, if you, if you, if you know somebody who, who's interested in this stuff, have them point you towards some good sources um, I'll come back when when we have more that we can share about what we're doing, and then people also can send it uh, 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 if they send me an email actually at info at Shapiro dot com, which is just my name then, you know, we could put together maybe a list of resources to pass on to tech cat readers. How about that?
1: <laughs> golden, golden, golden. And what, what else just in the area of uh, trends is interesting to you right now? Because you're always sort of, you know, at the edge of, of something. So if we moved away from blockchain for a minute, is there anything else that you're, you know, keeping your eyes open on? And I know um, for a while you were... Um, exploring vr pretty deeply and ar is there any other areas of new tech that you think are going to revolutionize you know business categories or even entertainment as we know it
2: yeah i think that i think the big one is going to be the intersection of vr ar ai and blockchain i think i think when those three things start to come together which is Kind of just slowly happening because um, when you go into a virtual world, you're not going to use dollars. It doesn't make any sense. So what'll happen is virtual worlds and like you know it's kind of auspicious timing, right? I think Ready Player One opens tomorrow. Um, like when you go into these virtual worlds, you're going to you're going to conduct transactions using not using dollars. Um, There's all sorts of amazing things that happen when you do microtransactions. I mean, as you know, um, we used to have a blog network with like a 1,000 bloggers, and every month it was, well, what am I going to do? Write somebody a check for $0.20 and another person a check for $15,000. There's all sorts of things. Money is still a very, very analog thing, and I think that's one of the things that's really holding up VR, Uh, the VR revolution. It's just economically, you know, dollars are just a little bit too kludgy for virtual worlds. And I think you're going to see more things and it's going to sound really abstract when I say it now, but you're going to see things where things like AI and machine learning and VR and cryptocurrencies come together and suddenly you're going to go into this other world that just kind of works. And there's going to be a tremendous number of people that are just not going to want to come out again. Um, which is obviously the kind of thing that Ready Player One gets into. But I think those three, the the, the convergence of those three areas, VR, AR, AI, and blockchain, that's going to be the, that's that's the trend of the decade.
1: Um, Well, I love um, how you summarized it like that, because um, certainly a lot of the conversations we've been having in the last six months sort of uh, has been hacking away at all those various topics. And, you know, it's interesting to watch how the conversations all lead to them um, all converging, um, and just you know, on a last note before we wrap up, um, where where can we just read more about what you're doing? Are you tweeting? You know, are you still writing on your own site, SethShapiro.com? Where where can we keep up with you?
2: Uh, I mean. The- it's it's kind of crazy right now. I'm still in session at USC. We're actually writing a bunch of stuff that's going to come out soon. I mean, I, I guess instead of saying that for, people could definitely go to my site, um, and, and we actually do tweet um, pretty often, you know, things that are just of general interest. But I guess one thing that I would throw in here um, that's kind of interesting for people to check out uh in our industry, another company that we didn't mention that I'm an advisor to is called Kodak Coin. Kodak Coin made a big splash at CES because it was sort of the first – uh you know, uh, you know, kind of blockchain company that got affiliated with a major kind of brand like Kodak. And what's really interesting is there's been all this stuff about in the press about what Kodak coin is or isn't. But what it really is, um, is um, a company that uh, has the ability to actually go out and, and, and really clean up digital rights. So, for example, part of the problem has been for content creators in the Internet age is, you know, what the Internet allows you to do is to make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, and that's great if you're a user. But if you're somebody who owns a piece of property who wants to get compensated for that, um, then that's tough. And so I think you're going to see this whole era of new companies that's going to um, come come online that's going to kind of make things more efficient, um, put the genie back in the bottle a little bit. And, you know, my dream would be that through these kind of blockchain-related companies, we create an economy where people actually get paid real money for their creative work um, and that they can do it directly from the audience. So that instead of having to wait for your check to come from Comcast or Disney, you can actually do something amazing creative, put it out on there online, and then get compensated directly from your users in a fair way without the stuff being pirated to death. And so, um, you know, that's that's kind of an overall trend that, that I'm really excited about. And, you know, uh, I'll come back and talk more about it when we can share more of what we're doing.
1: Cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have been getting the download on blockchain and cryptocurrency and a number of Interesting ways to think about what's really happening in our world and how everything that we sort of understand is being disrupted, and we have to start paying more attention to where we can take our businesses. With Seth Shapiro, the CEO and founder of Alpha Networks, a two time um, Emmy Award winner, a friend um, uh, and buddy of mine. And Seth, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. I know you're um, all over the place, you're somewhere else right now, too. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm in beautiful downtown Burbank right now, but um, but yeah, I'm on a plane soon. So thanks for having me, Lori.
1: That's great to have you. And this is Lori on the TechCat show. And next week we're going to continue um, digging into the uh, world of um, the blockchain. And um, we're going to be talking to somebody from so- Soft Vision and how they are looking at the blockchain. And um, all month long, we're going to be digging more into. Um, the future um, of distribution of all, all things really. So it's been great talking to you and we'll be back next week on the tech
0: cat show. Thanks so much for listening to the tech cat show. Please join Lori H Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific time on the voice America business channel and syndicated to the voice America women's channel.